0: Walk into any casino in Las Vegas and you are surrounded by exactly the same thing as when you walk into an insurance brokerage. The surfaces look completely different, but underneath are a cluster of Microsoft computers. Every slot machine is nothing more than a PC and, like every PC ever built, is subject to the shit-coding that causes them to crash on a semi-regular basis. All it takes is one brief outage of power, a moment of awkward source code, or some random magic to fuck the entire room up. These machines freeze up during bonus rounds. They misread dollar amounts. They routinely restart without warning. For a seasoned player, the jackpot is not the goal. A jackpot occurs when one wins more than $1,200 on a single bet and results in the machine stopping, a hand pay initiated, and the money is then taxed by the state. Now, the goal for the seasoned gambler is to win up to $1,199 and avoid the hand pay and thus taxes. Do this for enough bets and one can rack up sizable payouts sans government bite once in a while, when the machine freezes up, the result is a cancel credit, a hand pay, but without the Title 31 requirements or any tax documents to sign and collect. Whether it's a jackpot or a cancel credit, the slot machine rings out a loud musical clarion, signaling to all around that someone has made some money, so you better keep gambling so you can too. It was a typical Tuesday night in pandemic alley, Nevada, and the casino was about half full. The cocktail waitress on shift had her hands full as Californians, unwilling to sit idly by in their lockdown state, flooded Vegas with unemployment money and shitty behavior. I was standing near the cage, the cashier's cage for the uncasinoed, when my main banker calls me in. A guest has printed out her payout voucher, but it wouldn't read in the ATM. The banker couldn't get it to read on her computer. It was a valid ticket for $164.07, but there was no way to validate it for the books. Two more guests come up with the same issue, then three more. I pop out, give the now growing crowd a hand in the air and a nod indicating that I was on the case. An Asian woman, well past her expiration date, flags me down, same problem. I take a look at her Game King screen. On the smaller screen is a notification, Game Link Down. Oh shit. I call IT, let them know. Turns out the entire system is down, which means they can play, but they can't get cash from their vouchers unless we process them manually. So, let me start process- processing them by hand in the cage. Suddenly, the joyous music of a hand pay winds up to high volume. I speed walk over and I am in awe at the amount the guest has won. $1.13. Before my mind can figure that out, another machine sounds off. I check that one. $35.85. $0.87 says, but three more jackpot alarms, three more cancel credits, and now with good reason and through no fault of their own, everyone wants their money like right now, like the bank run in Bedford Falls. It takes two to process a cancel credit, the cocktail waitress and the manager on duty. I immediately locate her and snag her card. What's your passcode? And I tell her to drop off the drinks on her tray and then meet me at the slot room. Four more joyous tunes of jackpot merriment and now the casino floor sounds like a merry-go-round from a Clive Barker novel. I stop. I take a long breath and check out the room. I make note of the now 10 people in line at the cage trying to get their cash from machines that are actually printing out vouchers and the now 12 cancel credits going, I turn and I start processing. The waitress comes over to see three payout slips for pennies and asks, What is this all about? Hand pay hell. We're in this together, so let's knock these out and hope IT gets, gets it fixed before we collapse and welcome the cold embrace of lethargy. What? Just go take these and come back for more. This all continues for 45 minutes until I get a phone call. IT has fixed it, and everything should be back up in a few minutes. The sudden silence after the circus is almost as deafening as the cacophony. Fifteen minutes later, I go to the bar, and my waitress looks beat up. That was crazy. I'm completely drained. I caught both of us a Red Bull, and we go on with the business of the night. Garrett Stevens started building Circa Resort and Casino on Fremont Street long before the coronavirus, and our collective governments took the economy into its current death spiral. With the massive investment underway, the 1.25 million square foot state-of-the-art complex is the first Las Vegas casino resort built from the ground up in four decades. And Stevens was not going to be daunted by a raging pandemic. The place opened in November, just as Nevada Governor had shut down bars and restaurants. My wife and I waited a few weeks for the initial crowds to thin out some and took a friend from Chicago in town to visit his son, also a friend, to grab an early lunch and check the place out. Circa is nothing short of a marvel. The Stevens has gone on record to state his belief that 2021 will be massive for Vegas. Others have indicated that following the year-long battle with stay-at-home orders and lockdowns, 2021 Vegas will resemble 1920s excess. My bet is they're right. Cirque is more than just a huge investment in a time of economic horrors. It's a beacon of hope. It is a reckless gamble in a city defined by reckless gambling. Circa is a monument to going all in on a hand that is most likely a bluff, but doing it with such bravado and confidence no one else at the table, including the dispassionate virus, can see the tells. We moved to Nevada without a plan. No jobs, no nest egg, no thought for what would happen once we arrived. We were done with Chicago, or perhaps Chicago was done with us, and it was time to take a reckless gamble. The quick hits include me finding that my 30 years of experience amounted to nothing in the eyes of the Las Vegas events industry, and Dana getting a job in a casino bowling alley that completely ate her face off. I landed at an off-strip casino on the corner of I-15 in Tropicana, the wild, wild west, and she quit her days of spraying disinfectant in shoes and wrangling stray bowling balls. We were lucky in the cards. As the pandemic kicked the globe in the collective nutsack, the corporation that owned the West kept paying its employees throughout the casino shutdown. I watched hundreds of thousands of people in this hospitality industry get laid off and furloughed, while station casinos made sure I received a check every two weeks. I still came into work every day, but the job was limited to cleaning things that hadn't been cleaned in years and making sure the place wasn't ransacked during the shutdown. Just prior to the coming apocalypse, I'd been looking for different work. Casinos a strange life, and my job was to keep those with just barely enough money for cigarettes to keep playing. It didn't exactly scar me, but it created a large bruise on my sense of humanity that I couldn't shake. The pandemic stopped the search. Being risky is one thing. Being risky during an historic and near-total economic maelstrom borders on stupid. Unless you're Derek Stevens. In 2016, I wrote this. You want to go out there and change worlds, or at least your own? Then you need need to be bold enough to fail big, to suck with gusto, to blow it big enough that you consider leaving the state in order to escape the ridicule and shame. Do it big or stay in bed, baby. Only those badass enough to look like a complete fucking moron will ever rise to the heights of glory. The Hail Mary Pass. The last ditch effort. The impossible plan. Play it safe and get safe results. And aside from seat belts and bike helmets, safe never really makes a dent. It was true then. It's true now. As we stand on the precipice of 2021, maybe it's time to look hard at those risks and determined to throw caution to the wind. I mean, seriously, what do you get to lose? Death is inevitable. Life is a choice. For myself, after a year and a half working the swing shift at the West and being so tired that my days and nights have been centered on chasing paper without respite, clocking in, coming home, boozing it up, sleeping and clocking in again, it's time for a reckless gamble. So I resigned from the casino. I can look at my time there as if I were an embedded journalist and write a book about the experience. For money. I'm embarking on a remote gig as a senior copywriter for a Denver-based online company. It isn't Circa-level risk, but it'll do for the beginnings of 2021. Will I fail? Maybe. Does that matter? Yeah, because the possibility of blowing it and living behind the dumpster at the back end of a CVS during the worst part of a pandemic raises the stakes a bit, don't you think? 2021 may be like the 20s, And if it is... What big, stupid, reckless gamble are you going to go all in for? I once went to a nerd party that required everyone to dress as and pretend to be vampires. A loft apartment on the west side of Chicago filled with doughy, overweight men and women cosplaying this entire code of conduct while drinking wine coolers and eating from buckets of Cheetos. The only signal I remember was the one I used for most of the night, crossing my arms across my chest, indicated to the rest of the Nasratu that I was invisible, and thus they pretended not to see me. I've never truly understood the fascination with this sort of thing, this dress up as someone cooler or sexier than you are and join a gang of sorts kind of thing. I've never wanted to be anyone but myself, although I was a stage actor for some time, so I suppose I sort of understand Not to be disparaging of cosplayers, but in the brief time I spent involved in renaissance fairs, the type of person who gravitates toward non-paid dress-up are generally looking for some sort of escape from a life that isn't measuring up to promised expectations. When I was in high school, a friend of mine convinced me to go to the Wichita Ren Fair for an afternoon. I relented, but I wouldn't dress the part. He did, in full medieval garb, he greeted me at the entrance... And I paid the $2 admission. It wasn't bad so much as it seemed excessive. Guys with mullets speaking pigeon Shakespeare selling crafts made of metal and leather, a knife pop-up, big turkey legs on grills, flagons of lemonade, a five-piece band playing vintage-like instruments, An hour or so into wait, walking around, my friend guides me to a large space used for a battle tournament of sorts, knights in armor-wielding rattan broadswords. He had entered my name into the contest. My name was called, and rousing cheers went all around. He pushed me to the prep area. Dost thou possess armor, my lord? Armor? No. We then shall array thee with garb, fitting a knight. The garb? It was a series of carpet squares bungeed around my legs, torso, and arms, plus a metal bucket with an eye slit cut out of it. They handed me a wooden broadsword as long as a Volkswagen bumper and told me to fight with the heart of a lion. Across from me was a fully armored knight. I mean, this cat had spent some serious cash on his outfit, chrome and sparkling and looking like he rocked right off the set of Excalibur. A horn blew and the knight raised his wooden car bumper and ran at me. No one had bothered to tell me that this was fake, that it was for show. So, in a moment of terror, I clocked this guy. He fell and I proceeded to beat the living shit out of him with my stick. His wife came running over to stop me and took his helmet off. He was shocked and crying and I was permanently banned from the Wichita Ren Fair that day. These weren't bad people by any stretch but they were folks on the fringe. Dressing up and playing fantasy is one thing, but a few of them embrace the lifestyle so firmly they never find ways to blend into the rest of us. Conspiracy theories grow during times of institutional failure can't have the life you were promised by your personal and flawed interpretation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness clause. At least you can paint yourself as a hero struggling against a greater evil. You can be a knight or a superhero or a great revolutionary. So which is more plausible? An evil, all-knowing cabal of pedophiles embedded into all facets of government, secretly infiltrating and bringing down America, and only a formal real- former reality TV star botched real estate mogul can stop them? Or... The world is suffering from a poorly organized and highly politicized response to a pandemic we saw coming but did nothing to prevent and leaving millions unemployed and in poverty and committing suicide by opiates and riding the street for their cause of the day, which is supported by Actual data, 900,000 employed police officers all harboring bigoted hatred for black people and nefariously finding opportunities to kill them with no regard for iPhone videos being taken of the acts because of systemic racism or... 0.2% 0.2% of police in the country entering with bigotry in their brains, who are also poorly trained and authoritar- authoritarian in nature, abusing a system that refuses to punish officers who break the law, while the vast majority find themselves policing poor neighborhoods, which are predominantly black in cities due to an entirely separate economic reality. Who's nuttier? The dude who fully believes that Trump actually won the election in 2020, but a dark force that includes voters, Republican legislators, Republican governors, postal workers, a dead Latin American dictator, the Republican Attorney General, and Joe Biden conspired to steal it from, it, from him, or the guy who understands that there are certainly a few mistakes made when tabulating the votes of 160 million people, yet the overwhelming end of the vote was a clear Biden victory. Yes. I am a believer, too. I believe that both extremes are equally lunatic. I believe that the woke are just as batshit crazy as the Proud Boys. I believe that Scientologists and Flat Earthers and Critical Race Theorists and Baptists are all on the same platform of nutters. I believe that these zealots for specific theories that have almost zero basis in reality are ideological cosplayers dressing up as the heroes struggling against a great evil they have conjured like a guy in a suit of armor who works as a barista during the week i do not recommend we take them too seriously because ultimately that gets you banned from the wichita ren fair permanently <laughs> Peculiar Journeys is a weekly podcast featuring stories and thoughts from an arrogant, overly confident white guy. Lots of episodes were recorded while I was living in Chicago, and now I'm in Las Vegas. Check out DonHall.Vegas for updates and subscribe at Apple Podcasts.